itself is constantly evolving. To be the last man standing, teams innovate new methods to stand out and above the rest, all in pursuit of the Lombardi Trophy itself in the NFL. This is a sentence from one of our Fin Maniacs podcasters and terrific writers, Sean Williams. But first, let me introduce my co-host, Brandon Lagori. Brandon, what's going on, bud? Well, how's everything going, guys? You know, I, I was able to find out that I'll be officially graduating Florida Gulf Coast Sunday, August 8th. So that's a day that I'm definitely looking forward to. And, you know, it hap- it, it, it comes right before the, the 2021 NFL season starts. So that's even, you know, that's even better. But two weeks until the end, two weeks until the end, this is what we've been talking about since Miami's Week 17 loss at Buffalo, right? You move on. The Dolphins obviously didn't clinch up a playoff berth in, in that 2020 season. Now you flip the strip two weeks until the 2021 NFL draft. I know I'm excited. I know Sean's excited. I know you're you're excited. Again, just two weeks left. Oh, it will be officially Dan Marino days till the 2021 NFL draft. Sean Williams, one of the co-hosts of the brand new show here on our Finn Maniacs Network. The Outsider, Sean, what's kicking, my bro? What's up? Um, just getting ready to uh, to go to the draft with uh, Chip and Jason. Um, finishing up some scouting and. Uh, just just getting ready for some new additions to the roster. Getting very excited for that. I love, I love, love, love to hear that, that both you and Chip and Tanner Elliott really, really like these group of college prospects that are coming up. It, it, it brings joy into my heart and my smile is from ear to ear. This is just absolutely amazing to see you guys taking a look at these prospects and just being mind blown from them, not only just the top, you know, 20, 30, but towards the back end of the draft that could be drafted. And this comes to the topic of today's uh, discussion on our podcast, Brandon. And if the NFL is constantly changing, we've seen it change from a ground and pound from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s to a run and gun in the 70s, 80s, and 90s to high prolific offenses from the 2000s to basically now. What do you think is going to happen, I guess you could say, 2021 and on? You know, growing up as a diehard Miami Dolphins fan, I used to be a huge fan of the low-scoring games, right? The ones that were 10-3, the ones that were 13-7, those tight, deep defensive battle games, you really don't you really don't see those no more, right? I mean, you 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 just you take a look at I can name you five quarterbacks right right now that that pretty much highlight the whole entire National Football League, right? You got Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen, right? Those five quarterbacks alone just highlight teams that are averaging 25, 30, even 40 points a game. It seems as if you know. Now, and it's really not even into the NFL. It's really around all four major sports. You got to have a dynamic offense to be able to put up scores. I mean, you looked at you you looked at the NBA today, right? We're so used to seeing games go into the high 120s, 130s, even 140s. I thought that the 120s, 130s, even 140s, and even higher than that was only for the All-Star game. But you see those on like a regular, you know, just a regular night-to-night basis. Look, 
and it, this doesn't really only evolve around the uh, my, the uh, Miami Dolphins. You got, it starts off with the uh, trend with the uh, trench play, right? You got to build your offensive line. You build a solid deep defensive line. You grab your hope to be changing franchise, changing quarterback, which. For the for the Dolphins, they hope Tua Tagovailoa in, in year two can step up and 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 be that guy. The NFL is just you know it's it's just not only are the are the uh, TV rights changing, just the whole entire game overall. You got to be able to have that dynamic dual threat quarterback who can run with the football, who can throw the football, and you got to be able to put up at least it seems like 25, 30 points per game. That is true, and look the the heat the. Heat big three, and then the Warriors big three, and how they went through their championship run for four to five years really elevated the NBA and what it is today. The offense is just changed. You can play good defense, and you got to have shooters around the three-point line. I guess you can say, Brandon, for the MLB too, you now have, I believe it's a designated hitter in the uh, National League, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they, so they did the NL – so there was a designated hitter in the NL during the shortened 2020 season. Now they flipped it back to how it normally is. So the the uh, pitcher has to has to hit in the National League, but in the American League, you're, you have a, a DH. So the pitcher doesn't have to hit necessarily in the American League, but in the National League, they're ha- the, the, the pitcher hits, which I really hate that, that, that rule, to be honest with you, because – Again, I mean, what pitcher is like a really a, a great dynamic power hitter? I mean, I, I, I think the last, I guess you can say, dynamic pitcher who was a really good both on the mound and at, at the plate was probably Madison Bumgarner. And he's, he's pretty much on his way out. Or you could even throw in uh, Carlos Zambrano. But I, I honestly liked it to where it was last year where the DH was able – there was no DH. There was a DH in both the American and National League. And now with soccer too, or football, you say it across the pond in uh, London, the change has been from a defensive-minded coaching and teams to just straight up attacking, attack the goalie, attack the goalpost, just get as many scores as you can. So then, towards the end of the game, you can sit back and relax and just play whatever defense you want. But why? Why are we talking about soccer? and baseball and basketball on a Miami Dolphins football podcast. Well, number one, the Miami Dolphins are one of the teams that is evolving their offense and defense to what the NFL will look like in the near future. Sean Williams, in the Outsiders podcast you guys just released, you and Chip really talked about what the defense can look like. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean – to counteract what you see some of these high-octane offenses like the Chiefs, um, what they're doing, where they have so many guys that they can plug and play, uh, whether it's Tyree Kill can um, play the slot, the boundary, uh, line them up at running back. Um, Travis Kelsey, who's a matchup nightmare, he can play the boundary, the slot, uh, traditional tight ends, H-back. So you, you got these teams that are really putting together versatile offenses and to counteract that, um, and you're going to really see it in this year's draft class, um, defenses are, are changing too. And you, you've seen it with the Miami Dolphins the past couple seasons, and I think a lot of us were kind of stunned and shocked um, when we picked players up essentially off the street and – and plug them into these roles, and all of a sudden we won five games out of nowhere. And last season we were on the cusp of the playoffs. Um, 
this year's draft class really reflects what I think Flores and Greer kind of saw coming. And that's a big change to some of these key positions like linebacker. Uh, you're seeing these linebackers now weighing 235, 245 pounds running early 4-4, four, 4-5, four, four, 40s um, that can just shoot the gaps. They can cover the flat. They can cover your your running backs. Um, they can drop off in, into hybrid safeties. Um, you're not really seeing a bunch of 4-3 type defensive ends. You're seeing more edge rushers. Uh, safeties aren't safeties anymore. They're man cover corners. Um, who can still hit like linebackers. Uh, one guy I didn't really get to talk about that's in the draft this year, I didn't really get to talk about with Chip, um, who I think would be a high-level prospect in years past who's going to find himself in the later rounds, and that's uh, Richard LeCount um, from Georgia, who is a bona fide superstar at the college level for the safety position. Uh, excellent in man coverage, a leader, a communicator, but he can't tackle. And safeties have to tackle now. Safeties have to play multiple roles, like you saw uh, Eric Rowe play uh, for Miami or Minka Fitzpatrick has played for the Steelers. So you're seeing a lot of interchangeable positions that can play all over the place. And um, I think Miami and Brian Flores are already doing that better than most teams. And that is true. You see Eric Rowe playing safety, corner, sometimes even as a dimebacker as well near the box. You see it with Brandon Jones as well. Sometimes you can see a Landon Roberts and Jerome Baker taking off. And you just have eight defensive backs that can play the box and cover uh, tight ends, linebackers, and wide receivers. You even have it on the defensive line. As you said, the edge and the defensive ends are changing. Gone are the days of three down defensive linemen. They're gone. They're going to be extinct in the near future, kind of like the Sam linebacker, as we see in today's NFL. We see guys in a 3-4, 4-3 defense. They can rush the passer, but they can't run defend. They can defend the run, but they can't get after the quarterback. They can set the edge, but they can't make a tackle. There's pros and cons to everything, and you shoot that in the podcast you talked about today. To build a complete team, you need guys who can play multiple roles, and have fresh legs. You cannot have teams and at every single position play 70, 80, 90 snaps a game. You cannot do that anymore. Your players will be tired out because nowadays the NFL is a much faster game. Now on the offensive side of the ball, you take the model with the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey can play anywhere. Tyree Kill would not be a number one wide receiver in, I guess you could say, 30 other NFL teams. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is probably the biggest wild card there is, and that is an absolute perfect scheme fit there as a quarterback. Le'Veon Bell can be a wide receiver. And then you have their offensive line as well. They are changing from big boy maulers to athletic tackles and maulers inside. Uh, when we're taking a look at some of these college prospects, Brandon, who are some of the guys who are positionless players? And I know you're going to say Kyle Pitts. I know you're going to say Kyle Pitts. Well, that well, yeah, that was going to be honestly one of the uh, first names. And you know, we and 
Usama and I talked about it about two weeks ago on a uh, on a previous show. The only reason why that Kyle Pitts shocks me, and it's really not because of his 40 time and his whole entire pro day. I've been watching Kyle Pitts for a very long time, and like and like I even said it, if you didn't watch that this past SEC championship versus of Alabama or just Pitts' 2020 season overall, the Dolphins drafting Kyle Pitts, whether they stay at that number six spot or whether they move up a couple spots to take him, that would be honestly one of the top steals. Like the Dolphins in general, be aside from Mike City, they don't really have that deep pass catching tight end, right? It's more it's it's more of like Durham, Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen, those are more blocking tight ends. And so the Dolphins drafting and having on the same off offensive line to have two pass catching tight ends in Kyle Pitts and Pasiti, that would honestly not only would that scare teams in the in the AFC East, that's gonna scare teams in the AFC and when the Dolphins face some NFC teams as well. That is true. It truly opens up the offense and defenses will have to see what kind of packages they'll have to play, what kind of players they will have to put on a player like Kyle Pitts. There's another player, too, who people are, I guess you could say, overhyping him a little bit. And in my opinion, that's Rondale Moore. Now, look, Rondale Moore was a great prospect at Purdue. I mean, this dude was amazing. He's fast. He's strong and he's sturdy. People are comparing him to Tyreek Hill, but he's not Tyreek Hill. And I'll tell you why. He has some issues catching the ball. You could say it's almost the same type of issue as Jalen Waddle and Kadarius Toney. Both of these wide receivers do not catch with their hands. They catch with their body. And sometimes it leads to dumb drops. Like they could have caught that ball too. And it pains me to say this, but you don't want to have another Jakeem Grant on your roster. Rondell Moore can play outside wide receiver. He can play inside as well. Hey, if you want to put him at running back, you can put him at running back. But in this draft class itself, it's such a change for this wide receiver group. Last year and the years before, you had a ton of guys who could be perimeter threats and play on the outside. Now, you see it in high school. You see it in college, and you're seeing it in the NFL. The biggest threats to defensive to defensive coaches and defensive players are inside slot wide receivers who can line up anywhere around the field using different types of motions to use their speed to gain the advantage and catch the ball and take it home. You're seeing it with the Kansas City Chiefs. You saw it a little bit with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as one. Well. I guess you could say Julian Edelman, but that's another topic for another day. Dolphins are trying to build something similar to that. We saw it with Lynn Bowden. We, we were hoping Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant can be, be those types of players. But do you see the Dolphins drafting a slot type or wide receiver either in the first round or maybe in the later rounds, Sean? So Chip and I and, and Jason, too, we, we kind of talked about this last night on our podcast. And I, so a couple points for me. Um, I, don't, I don't think we're going to draft a slack guy. Um, if we do, um, there's obviously going to be competition. Not that there wasn't already uh, for training camp with Wilson coming back. Um, of course, there's Jakeem, although um, I never want to see him line up at receiver again. No offense. Um, everybody loves uh, the little brother that is Jakeem Grant, but 
Um, and then you got Hearns coming back who can line up in the slot, although he's not your traditional slot receiver. We have Bowden. Um, we have Will Fuller that can play the boundary or the slot. So I, I don't know that we're going to see Miami go after a slot guy. Um, it, and another thing I want to touch on is there's got to be that balance, right? It can't be four wide receivers that are gadget players. Um, you got to have your possession guys. You have to have your 50-50 guys, which we we theoretically have with Parker and Williams. Um, it's kind of a – if you want to predict what the Dolphins are going to do, it's basically a process of elimination. Now, I do think that they could go and get a Jamar Chase or a Jalen Waddle, although I, I'm not, I'm starting to believe that's not going to be the plan. Um, I, I do think Devonta Smith brings a new level to the offense that we don't have yet. And of course, Kyle Pitts. Um, I would say those are probably their two top targets. And the third point I want to touch upon is we can draft all the wide receivers in this draft and it's all going to fall apart in, if we don't get a running game. Um, and that, to me, is really the most important thing we have to address in this draft because we have the guys already on defense that are kind of interchangeable and we were already a top five defense. Um, we do have a deep wide receiver room and we, no one's even really talking about Robert Foster, which I guess he's a long shot to make the team anyway, but like I said, we, we have a deep wide receiver room. Uh, their health remains to be seen. Um, I think the, the biggest thing we have to walk away from this draft with is a running game, um, whether that's Najee or whether that is – ETN? Uh, not ETN for me. Um, Devontae Williams, Devontae, Michael Carter. We need, we, need a, we need a power rushing game. Um, we, it, and because our line is still growing, and I hate to see us – uh, use a ton of resources again on the line like we just used last year. Um, I think it's pretty common knowledge that Najee is my guy as well as a lot of others. Um, he's somebody who has that hesitation, who can break tackles, who can run these smaller linebackers over and jump over them and all those things. So for me, the most important thing we could do in this draft is find ourselves a running game. And I do think Travis Etienne will be a fine prospect. Um, I just don't think he's a fit for our team um, in the way some of these other guys are. Uh, and we have Miles Gaskin, who can do a lot of the Travis Etienne things. Um, we have Ahmed, which um, I don't think he gets enough credit. I, I was a fan of his before, you know, he had some injury issues. Um, so, yeah, biggest thing for me is go get that power run game. So here's the point I want to make. Other than quarterback and cornerback, every single other position is a role player. You can take the offensive line. Uh, you could put people together, but you need to have above average guys, not one elite guy at the left end and then two or three decent guys and one person who is just meh. You need to have an above-average line to compete in the NFL and get far. So Miami's slowly building that up within the last few drafts. And, hey, they may take a center or a guard and possibly complete that offensive line and have four above-average guys and one great guy. We'll see what's going to happen. For our running backs, 
usually now in the NFL, you have a running back back committee. You don't have a bell cow back anymore. You have a guy who's a power rusher, you guy who is a slasher, and you just have a guy who is just straight up speed. Whenever you need him, you use him. Najee Harris is a combination of a lot of those things, and he will help the Miami Dolphins too, along with the receiving end. You have Miles Gaskin, who is a slasher and a speed guy. And you have Savan, Savan Ahmed, who may be a decent running back, but can do one or maybe two of those things. And that will form a running back committee for Miami. Then you'll get the threat of a play action type of uh, offense where you could, you know, play action it to Najee. And the linebackers might bite on the running game. You just straight up throw it over the middle or over or over the top on the outside to your playmakers. And that's what the offense was missing last season. Now on the defensive side of the ball, linebackers are changing, safeties are changing. And there's a guy I really, really want to highlight and it's Hamza Nasser al-Din. Uh, Brandon, Sean, what do you guys see from Hamza Nasser al-Din? Now we may pick him up within possibly the third round. And how will he look in a Brian Flores defense? Brennan, you first. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Brian Flores, ever since he was really hired and, and you go you you go back to February of, of 2019, he wants guys that are flashy, right? He wants young defensive studs that can definitely make plays. And, you know, I think that, I mean, I definitely agree with, uh, with, with Sean that, my, that Miami's defense is very young. Miami's defense is going to be very exciting to watch, really. I mean, you saw the, the amount of takeaways that the, uh, that the defense had overall to flash back the 2020 season, even though the Dolphins did lose Kyle Van Noy, but they did, but they did pick up some other great guys that, hope, that hopefully can make, you know, game-changing plays. If the Dolphins do go this route and they, and they do select this guy, you just have to hope two things. And I say this really for any defensive and offensive player – now that, the, now that the NFL has moved to a 17-game schedule, is he able to stay healthy over a full 17-game season, right? Because you don't want to bring in a guy, and I'm obviously not wishing bad luck on him. You obviously don't want to bring in a guy and, and he gets hurt within game two, you know, game three. Then you got to start moving and you, you got to start finding other guys who are able to pick up the role that, that, that's, that's, that's obviously missing. So if, if the Dolphins are able to draft this guy, they, they'll obviously see something in him because obviously Brian Flores isn't just going to take a, a gamble on, on, a, on a, a potential waste of a uh, draft pick. So we just, have, we just have to see in the end how all the, adom the uh, dominoes fall. Sean, you're up. Yeah, um, I am a big fan of his, um, especially for Miami, just because, again, that versatility he brings. Um, however, I, I, do, I don't think he'll make it out of the third round um Hamza but Chip has definitely got me even more turned on to another guy who I've known about obviously and I'm a big fan of but once kind of Chip got me onto him I realized how versatile he is too and that's Javon Holland from Oregon um who obviously it's kind of out of sight out of mind after he opted out which a lot of these prospects have done and we're, we're probably going to see that become a new trend um, until the NFL lowers its age limit, um, if they if they do that, but yeah, Hamza guys like Hamza and Javon Holland, the, what makes our defense so strong is our ability to disguise. Right, everything is about disguising coverage, and when we you have these guys that are so unique, 
to the point where we can have our whole defensive line standing up. We don't even have hands in the dirt. Um, so when you can disguise all these kind of coverages, that's what makes it all work. And the same thing with offense, I just want to go back to Najee for a second, is what Miami is lacking on offense, and you really saw it last year, and that's why guys like Bowden didn't make the impact that they possibly could have, is there's no disguise on our offense. If Mike Gesicki's in the game, it's a pass play. Um, if I mean, no one's fearing our run game, no one's fearing a bunch of these wide receivers, Najee Harris is not just this power runner. He's a guy who can run down the field and run wide receiver routes. He can do all these things. And now you got to respect our run game. Um, you go and get a Kyle Pitts at six. Uh, now you, you don't know what is happening if it's pass or run. So uh, the key for me for all of this to make this new positionless football work is disguising the play. And that's what guys like Hamza or Holland or Pitts or Najee bring to the table. So, You talk a lot about disguising a play. The Dolphins brought in coaches, and they're looking to scheme their offensive playbook where it's a bunch of different, I guess you could say, same formations or maybe even different formations. And the plays are actually so similar to each other, kind of like what the Rams did back in uh, 2017. I believe it was 2017, right? I think it was 2017. Yeah, 2017. They had these players who could who could do it all. They had these players who could do it all. And the Rams disguised their offensive packages. And they ran the same plays over and over and over again. And they were successful. And I believe the Dolphins offense is trying to do that. Uh, before we wrap up, I wanted to highlight one of our other writers and podcasters and the co-host of Two Amigos, Carter Melrose. Now, look, Carter and I have a little bit of this love-hate relationship. He thinks Devonta Smith is going to be a bust. I don't think Devonta Smith is going to be a bust. Sean, Brandon, will Devonta Smith be a bust? I'll let you take it away, Sean. So here's my thing. I, I think anybody in the NFL can bust, depending on the situation they're drafted to. Um, and before I get into Devonta, I just want to kind of highlight some other guys who could be in different positions um, in their career if they were used properly. And last year we saw it with Hassan Reddick in Arizona. He was finally asked to, to play a role that speaks to his skill set. And all of a sudden he comes out and has all these sacks um, in a contract year and things like that. Or um, Chip likes to talk about Burnett, uh, Barnett in uh, Philly, who's just constantly been misused. Now, if Devonta say, Smith, I gotta say, Sean, Derek Barnett reminds me of Carlos Boogie Basham from Wake Forest, and I know you might not like Boogie in this defense so much. I do think Boogie has a role to play in Miami. Yeah, I mean, he could. I just think we might already have a couple of those guys. Um, and let me let me just wrap up with Devonta Smith quick. I think any four, any of the four top play pass catchers, if you will, um, that we're looking at at the top of the draft, um, in Waddle, Pitts, uh, Smith, or, or Chase, I think any of them work for Miami, um, where they may not work for another team. If you ask Devonta Smith to go to Philadelphia, 
and be their alpha wide receiver one, um, I think that's setting them up for failure. I think if you put them on Miami with uh, an absolute burner in Will Fuller and uh, a super reliable pass catcher when he's on the field and Parker, and we have a uh, tight end like Gasicki and we, let's say we have a run game, he's set up for success. Um, he's going to face a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage. I'm guessing he's going to line up somewhere on the inside um, formation. And he's, he's going to excel there because he has elite route running. And rarely do you see prospects um, in draft classes that already have and possess elite route running skills. So Devonta Smith makes a ton of sense for Miami way past just his relationship and familiarity with, uh, with Tua. Now going to the linebackers, I think what I want to see for Miami the most, and maybe it's just because I've done all this studying on them and they're just super exciting to watch is these guys that just explode um, through gaps. And you see that with Cam McGrone. Um, you see that with Nick Bolton. I want these guys that now are running in the four fours that can cover, shoot right through the gaps um, and do all these things that are just going to be incredibly scary for opposing quarterbacks because um, they're so fast. They'll blow right by your linebacker, especially in a disguised um, blitz package like we run in Miami. Um, so, yeah, Boogie Basham, I don't dislike him as a prospect, but I think guys like Vince Beagle or Van Ginkle can kind of fill that role where now I'm just looking for these guys that just explode um, like McGrone or, or Nick Bolton or yeah, Jamin I, Davis. I really don't remember the last time that a, that a Heisman Trophy winner was, was called to be a NFL bust, right? I mean, this guy, this kid hasn't even gotten drafted yet. And you know, no disrespect to a card to 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 Carter, but to call to call an NFL player a bust that hasn't even been drafted yet—I mean, we're still two weeks away. You know, it's completely mind uh, mind-boggling. I've watched a lot of Alabama games because ninety-nine percent of the Alabama games are pretty much nationally televised. I mean, whether they're playing in the national championship or just any any typical regular SEC game. 100% agree on, uh, on, 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 what, on what Sean had to say. Devontae Smith's route, route running is, honestly, it's, he, he won the Heisman Trophy for, for, a, for a reason, right? And I, I, I always say the reason why uh, Smith has a little slight edge over uh, Chase is because Jamar Chase opted out. And, you know, you really, he really hasn't played competitive football in over probably dating back to the 2020 National Championship game versus, versus – uh, uh, Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, if the Dolphins do go Smith at at six, if if they do stay there and they take Smith, I honestly I would be just as the same excited it was was if the Dolphins draft Kyle Kyle Pitts. So Carter, if you're listening to this, we all love you, bud. We yeah, all love I, you. I promise you, Carter. It's no dis it's no disrespect, but I just have never seen. Of somebody bash and uh, not as uh, someone that hasn't even gotten drafted yet. I mean, we're still 14 days away. <laughs> and one thing too that separates Smith and why I love him so much, besides the amazing route running, mm -hmm. is how cleanly he catches the ball. Correct. He's so technically sound with his hands and how he receives the football. Oh, um, where a lot of these other guys are are just not there. I mean, even Waddle. Waddle's a body catcher. 
Um, Devonta Smith just catches the ball so cleanly. Um, he's another guy who's just not going to drop the passes that Tua throws. Carter, I love you. Sean loves you. Brandon loves you. Jorge, I don't know about I don't know about Jorge. That the jury's still out on him. I think even though you both are co-hosts, Jason loves you as well. So does Chip and all the fin maniacs guys. But for me, eat crow, Carter. Okay, Devonta Smith will be the uh, number one wide receiver in a couple of years. And as always, guys, Sean, Brandon, thank you as always. Fins up, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.